that you know people they have this belief of that, that police don't lie and stuff but it's like no they lie they lie they put the l in lie are you kidding me mm-hmm. <laughs> and but but the thing is another way that we're culturally conditioned right people will believe the police the law enforcement officials because of their position right mm-hmm. So when it comes to indicting them and to getting it to a place where they're actually found guilty, it becomes that much more difficult because the mindset that most people have that, well, they're law enforcement, they're going to tell the truth, they're not going to do these things, but the opposite is true. They are actually perpetrating lie after lie and killing our loved ones without any accountability. Oh, heck yeah. They have no no problem. And, and the thing is, the line of corruption, the network um, that you got the judges, you got the secretaries, you got the prosecutors, you got the coroner, mm-hmm. you, you you have uh, the the ambulance. Uh, everyone is connected. They're, they're so comfortable in what they do because they this qualified immunity gets them off the hook. They ain't got no problem spinning that narrative, even if the narratives don't even match, like it did in Ronnie's case. Uh, even the medical, uh, the doctor at the medical center, he was saying this doesn't add up because the police reports that was given to him, they didn't match. Good evening. My name is Roxanne Johnson. My son's name is Jamal Bird. He was killed by Metropolitan Police in D.C., October 1st, 2019. I'm here with my lovely co-host, LaToya. Good evening, LaToya. Hey, good evening. Good evening, you guys. My name is LaToya Benton. I am the mother of the wonderful Xavier Hill. Xavier was killed at the age of 18 by two Virginia State Troopers, January the 9th, 2021. We are honored to be joined tonight by Mrs. Sabrina Foster. Ms. Foster, you want to go and get a brief intro of yourself, please? Hi. Good evening, everyone. My name is Sabrina Foster. I'm here with one of my four granddaughters. You want to introduce yourself, Sophia? My name is Sophia. Uh, I am the daughter of Glenn Foster Jr. So I'm Sophia, Glenn Foster. We can't see her. Can you yes, bring her? Bring the camera uh, over a little bit so we can see her cute little face. Come on in. There you go. Hey, hey. There she is. Yes. This is my granddaughter number two. My son is Glenn Foster Jr. And when his life was taken, Glenn left behind four beautiful daughters. At the time of his death, their ages were one through 10. Now they are three, six, nine, and 12. Oh, wow. Sophia is number two. <laughs> She's nine years old. And um, my son was only 31 years of age at the time of his demise, at the time that they murdered him. Um, my son was driving, and I have to say driving while black, huh. and they pulled him over. Instead of them giving him a minor ticket, a ticket violation, um, they put him in jail. And um, that was the end. Um, three days later, we were told that he died. And um, the autopsy report says that he died of natural causes. The second autopsy report indicated that perhaps he was strangled. 
And um, after looking at his body and viewing his body, we can see that someone lied or multi-people lied and covered up. The State Bureau of Investigation also covered up my son's death. So um, everyone involved, such as this, um, the coroner, the state examiner, the DA, they, they all said that he died of natural causes based on the report that was given to them. But if they did their own investigation correctly and properly, they would have found out. And I'm quite sure they knew what happened. But this is the story that they told us. So we had to let people know the narrative behind what happened, our narrative, the truth. Um, they were definitely not transparent then, and they're not transparent now. We're going into the second year of my son's murder. And um, we are finally going to file the case real soon um, in Carrollton, Alabama. Um, now that we have collected more information, and so we're ready to move forward with the case. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry for your loss, little one. Um, Thank you. Yes. Um, how were you able to get it to a situ to a point where you have a case where you have it in in front of a a judge? I'm I'm assuming, or where where are you with the case? Well, what I did leave out the most important thing is that my son was was married, and he's he has a beautiful wife who is very um, much so in of course with this case and. Um, we have, um, we have Crump, who is our attorney, and um, he and his crew are now ready to, like I said, file in the, um, the courts um, charges against people who we feel should be indicted. So we'll so see. Have you guys have you guys filed the lawsuit? Yeah, your civil suit is yet, and you're in the process of filing that. We have to file. We have to file the lawsuit. So there is no case until we file the lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And what's your what 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 year? I'm sorry. What it was 2021. Is that all right? December 2021. We have two years to file the case or to file the lawsuit. Mm -hmm. So that's coming up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. December yeah. 6th was the day that they claim my son died and i think i want the audience to also realize you guys uh glenn foster was speaking about glenn foster um he also played in the nfl um i think I people all the time you know they love to paint this whole we, we've had people get on here and the moment they get on here they say he was great he was good they, they, they paint this whole picture of you know like he had he had a, this certain kind of like um statue of why things could not happen this guy played in the nfl and, you know, still, and we're talking to his mom right now about what happened to him, why he was incarcerated. There's Glenn Foster. Look his story up. So the date he said is December. Give me excuse me, one more time, please. There's some distraction in the background. Um, he died December 6th. December 6th. Yes. He died December 6th. And, um, yes, Glenn... 
people paint the wrong picture of who, who's being murdered by law enforcement. They villainize, they try to villainize a victim. Mm-hmm. They do. Now, my son was a businessman. Mm-hmm. Not only was, was he a celebrity here in Louisiana, he played in the NFL. He played for the Saints. Mm-hmm. He was a local celebrity. He was a businessman. He was loved by many people. He had many friends. He had people, he had a business. He um, opened up a granite business uh, where we fabricated and we, we fabricated and installed. We have two locations, one in Baton Rouge and one in um, New Orleans on Magazine Street. Um, Glenn was on his way for other business. Well, he was on his way to um, Atlanta to engage in other businesses, you know? And um, unfortunately, he never made it there. Now, Sabrina, we talked with the mom, it was last week, and she was saying how the medical examiner, even they lie. Um, I noticed they just said you had to get a second autopsy report done as well. Can you kind of touch on that a little bit as far as when it comes to just, um, we always, a lot of just think it's just the police that lie, but we know it's a system in itself that's corrupt. Can you kind of touch on that also as to why you guys got a second autopsy done? Well, when you um, when you're dealing with the police, you know that they want things to be looked at in their favor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when they had no explanation as to why my son died, um, they said that he was um, sleeping in the back seat of the SUV. So. When you suspect a lie, my son was a healthy man. He was fit, former athlete. So when you have all that already, you know that there is no reason for him to die. It was a surprise. You're not going to go by what the coroner says or what the medical examiner says. So we were already very suspicious of what was going on. So uh, with that being said, we suspect foul play. We so did you guys set up your own? Like, how, how did you set that up? Like, you set it up on your own to get that top to that? How did you do that? At that time, at that time, we had uh, Mr. Crump involved, and he set up for the second autopsy. Now, mind you, we were going to do it anyway, but we had the lawyers involved. And so he set it up with Dr. Baden. Dr. Baden is out of New York. He's a forensic scientist. And um, he did the um, second autopsy. Hmm. I found it interesting. I think a lot of times too, that I, I'm now to go on my own son's case, right? Um, I never would have thought to, well, now I know now, but when it first happens, I'm just thinking about, you know, I'm told to get him from the Emmy's office to the funeral home. Yeah. Not knowing I can have a, a second autopsy done on his body. Oh, absolutely. And that's very important because we know that they're going to immediately try to cover themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. They want to try to cover themselves from the truth. And that's what they try to do. 
So uh, it sounds like um, you got you got the attorney involved pretty early on in this in this um, situation. Yes, we did. Yes, mm -hmm. okay. my, son, my son was murdered. I mean, it was um, it was uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, and it still is unbelievable. And you know, you, you want to react as fast as you can, you know, because we're all green. You know, we've never been through anything like this before. Right. And and one thing about my son's murder, it just opened up my eyes to other mothers before me who have gone through what I'm going through, what my daughter-in-law is going through, what my grandchildren are going through. And I feel, I feel some type of way knowing that it took my son's death, his murder, for me to realize that I should have been out there helping other families before my son was murdered because now I need people to help me. Yeah, yeah. I need people to understand that what is happening to me is happening to them. I, I think a lot of times we look at it as like, okay, imagine um, if you don't have cancer, you might not be going out to advocate for cancer patients unless you have a relative who may have cancer. Yes. Um, and because I, same thing with me, my son, Xavier was protesting, you know, he was doing it. But as far as myself doing it, I was, I was protecting my black son, yes. But as far as like the universe, no. That, now I'm like heavily involved. So I'm like, you know, what does it take for us to, what is it, or who does it take to die to be able to recognize, you know, we got to all get involved. Well, when George Floyd was murdered and we saw the horrific way that he was murdered, I mean, right before yes. our eyes mm -hmm. and how the cop just kept his knee on his neck as people were begging for him to let loose and to, to get up off his neck. We saw how much they enjoyed. To me, he enjoyed it. He didn't care. And so if that was, if that didn't help us to, to know that there's really a problem and it's deeper than what we think, this is a history that is not a history. People keep saying, well, we, they have a history. A history is something that happened in the past. Mm -hmm. There's still kind of going on is continuously happening. So there's no nothing about history if it's still going on, right? right. So I, I believe that the community, the community needs to, um, to make a change. The community, people in the community need to shift their paradigm and start thinking about their future, their children's future, and how can we help? How can we stop? The churches need to get involved. Mm -hmm. The school, these uh, organizations, sororities, fraternities, it, it's everybody's problem. Mm -hmm. And and don't wait, like myself, until something happened to one of yours before you want to get out there and start protesting. Because I felt sorry for George Floyd's family. When I heard about Mona Green, Mona Hardin's son, Ronald Green, mm -hmm. I, before my son even died, I said, 
damn, that can happen to my son. Hmm. When George Floyd died earlier, I said, that can happen to my son. I wasn't speaking into the future. I was just saying, it, okay, so it happened. It happened, you know, it happened. Mm-hmm. And now I want to try to do something about it. But I want everyone to know that just like it happened to Glenn, it can happen to anyone. You don't have to be um, on the streets. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be um, how they label us. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's just that you are black. Yep. <laughs> it's just that we're black. And yeah. so we, we need to be more protective of our family by educating them about our blackness, about what has been going on for centuries here. And this is not the only country, you know, this is happening in our own motherland as well, right? Black on black crime. But we can still try to fight against the oppressor, still trying to get us where they want us, you know? We, we can fight against that. Now, my son, he was murdered in jail. We don't know whether they were black or white, or we don't know for sure. But all I know is that it's just the same system. I don't know. Same system, yeah. Same system. Even if there is a a black person, just like the overseer, some of them were black, and they were responsible for killing a lot of the slaves, right? Right. Okay. So it doesn't matter. It's just the same system that we have not gotten rid of yet. That's right. That's right. It's a 2023 version of lynching. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. It's been going on for over 400 years. Yes, that's right. That's right. And it's a system that is oppressive to people that look like us three sitting here, right? Yeah. If, it were, if it were not so, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be having this conversation on the Tuesday. That's right. Another no. conversation, or perhaps uh, you know, kicking up our feet and eating bonbons. But the fact of the matter is, we have to do this not only for my son and, and Latoya's son and your son, Sabrina, for the sons that are yet born. Mm-hmm. Right? And see, that's what, where we, you know, people don't understand it. You know, they, they don't get into this fight until, you know, like you were saying, I didn't, I didn't really understand the fight until it happened to, it came to my doorstep. But what we're trying to do in this, in this um, Life After Impact podcast is encourage and rally uh, people to get involved because this is an epidemic that's facing our community. Now, other people, I'm not saying that it's exclusively, but most of the people who are are, um, abused and killed by police violence are Black and brown people. That's period after that. Um, I think on our ticker is up to a hundred, uh, eight hundred and eight, almost nine hundred people. We hear statistic, yeah. statistically speaking, about a thousand people are killed by police violence every year. Yes, and you know it's crazy, Roxanne. I think it's really crazy that uh, we as America went through a, cold, uh, a period of time of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we went and, and y'all know they had recently where they said the CDC is no longer gonna um, be giving out like COVID cards or counter or whatever, right? But everybody mm-hmm. in America was putting a mask on because yes. of this so-called disease that was in the air that can get you sick and could kill you and it possibly could kill people. I don't know, right? But we do know that mm-hmm. the police are killing us on a daily basis every single day and people are not mm-hmm. getting involved. 
So yeah. we got to be proactive, right? Y'all be able to get insurance because the car you got outside, you pray to God, your boss not good in a car accident. You want to make sure insurance company covers that. Don't be like us and wait until it happens to you to get involved. We're right. telling you now, if don't, don't have a hashtag and say, hey, my son may will go behind it because you do not know that. They'll put right. the manager behind your child regardless of how good they are as a person. That's how the system is built. We well, as a community have to be proactive. Let's not be a retroactive now, be getting proactive. That's right. That's, that's correct. That's correct. Um, my granddaughter has homework to do. And I want her to say something. Do you have homework? Are you done? Okay. All right. I just thought maybe this would be a good time for her to say what she wanted to say about oh, her. Yes, please. And, Come on. Um, we want to hear. Come on. We'd love to hear from her. Okay. My name is Sophia Foster. Uh, I'm the second daughter of Glenn Foster and Pamela Foster. My dad was really a lot to me, and it broke my heart to hear that he was taken away. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing. And we and our hearts are broken for you too. That's your dad. We're here for you. And we're here for you. Thank you. No, thank you. Mm. Do you want to say anything else? Are you okay? Do you want to say anything else about how you miss him when you take vacations? And Yeah, I miss him on family days, on game nights. You look your dad. You guys look alike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I used to say that my older sister looks most like him. You make her her beat, girl. You look like him, too. <laughs> Very athletic, just like her dad as well. All right. All right. Um, we have another one that's going to sneak oh. in. Say hello. Come on, come on. Hello. <laughs> oh, she's so pretty. Hi. Hi. What's your name? Liana. Hi. Hi, Anna. You miss your dad? Yes. Can you elaborate? What's that mean? Oh, Can she you got because we're fading out. Come closer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What about that? There you are. There you go. He was very funny and athletic. And he and he would play with me all the time, help me with stuff, and take us to nice dinners. And we would have our daddy-daughter date at Ruth Chris and Baton Rouge every Sunday. That's very nice. Yeah, it was very fun. I love him and I miss him. Yeah. Can I tell you something? Yes. Uh, so one time, my dad, he was singing horribly. And then my mom was like, oh, God, please stop, Glenn. Then Leon was like, Daddy, please stop. And I said, that sounds amazing, even though I did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are make sure you keep being a voice for your dad, okay? Keep sharing his name. 
Yeah, and hold on to the memories, okay? Hold on to the memories like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They have beautiful memories of their father. Thank you, Sophia. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, thank you, girls. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, we have plenty of uh, videos of him, pictures. And sometimes we just look at them and just laugh and they're laughing. I'm crying. <laughs> I, I've always took videos of him, even from infants, when he was an infant, you know, so. It's just hard thinking about. Well, Sabrina, what can we do as a community um, to help you all out well, as far as the fight is concerned? I would like to join you guys again. Um, during the time um, when we come up with a plan, we've had two protests already. And um, the next time we go back is when we are going to actually um, file a case against them, which will be really soon. And hopefully um, we can come up with something, uh, whether, it's, it, whether it's posting something on Facebook page or coming out to help protest with us. Um, we may just do a, a press conference on in, in Montgomery, opposed to going to Carrollton, Alabama, where it all started or where it all happened. Um, I would like to um, have a nice crowd there to help support us. But as far as um, what can you do now, I, I would like for people in the community to reach out to families like myself, because this happens in every community, just about find out what, what family needs your help, you know, and see where you can where you can fit in and help out because they need your help. We need help. Yes. Thank you for saying that. And um, keep us updated on any action so we can post it on our Facebook page. We can post it on our website because we know we're better when we are together as a community, right? right? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And, and we act as a team. Yes. And before we go, before you all go, I would like to say um, one more thing. Um, for other impacted families, if, you not, if you're not involved with the impacted family group, it's best to do that. I have um, involved myself, engaged myself in different impact family groups, such as building bridges with Marquel Bridges. The family there has been so helpful. I am um, family united with Aunt B and Uncle Bobby. They have been so, so much involved as well. And Black Lives Matter grassroots. You can't ask for a better group of people to be there for you when you need them. So I just want to thank you, thank them and let other impacted family know that people are willing to help you and to embrace you. Yes. Thank you for sharing that, Sabrina. Um, you guys, it's real brief before we go. We do have a couple of updates we want to share with you all. Um, I'm not sure if you guys remember or recall a few weeks back, we had um, Mona Hardin on the podcast um, speaking in honor of Ronald Green. We played a short clip 
at the beginning um, before we got started. Uh, Mel, is the clip ready to be played? Awesome. Let's go ahead and watch this clip, you guys, real fast. has upheld charges in the Ronald Green case. Well, he died in state police custody following a chase that ended in Union Parish in 2019. The attorney for Master Trooper Corey York wanted the negligent homicide and malfeasance charges dismissed after prosecutors admitted to an oversight. Well, they allowed a use of force expert to review the statements that York made during an internal affairs inquiry, but those are shielded from criminal cases. However, the judge said the expert drew his conclusion from body cam footage and not the interview. Yay. All right, all right, all right. So as y'all can see, the charges were upheld in the Ronald Green's case. Um, this goes to say, when they tell you to stop fighting, don't stop fighting. Um, when the fight, yes, it's expensive, but you guys, we got to start putting the pressure behind these cases so we can get these wins such as this. This is going to be on the books now to help case law for other cases uh, follow behind because the system is broken. You know, let me phrase that. It ain't even broken. It's working how it's designed, right? Mm -hmm. And we are the target. Y'all have to understand and realize that we'll be proactive and begin to build a system to fight the system, but that is proof that we can still fight the system. That is one update we have. Um, also, we have a call of action. Um, I'm not sure which one you're gonna show. You wanna do, um, I think Nikki um, for, you wanna put that on the screen please as well, please? Okay, I'm sorry, we forgot Fred Cox. Okay, actually, uh, soon coming up, there will be a court date, December the 4th for Fred Cox on the civil case. Um, you guys, it does see it, uh, it says on here TBA as far as time is concerned. Be sure to follow his mom on Facebook, uh, Tanika Shannon, for other updates as far as Fred's case is concerned and where they're going to need court support for the civil case as well. Court support is necessary, as I say all the time. A lot of injustices happen in empty courtrooms. And that's the truth. They know that we'll go out here and protest in the streets when it comes time to the real legal stuff. We're not there. So we have to do better as a people, do better as a community. And we have one more call of action to show. Um, if you want to put that on the screen as well. There we go. Yeah. And this is right here over in Prince William County, um, over for William Green. We have court coming up. I think the court date is, uh, is it on the side over there? I'm saying no, it's not important. It's just for the call of action, you guys. So we'll also put these on our um, web pages as well. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Roxanne. In this particular case, um, uh, William Green's murderer, a police officer, was found guilty, but uh, he gets to be home with his family for the holiday and doesn't have to start his sentence till mm -hmm. January of 2024. And uh, yeah, he needs to go to jail now. So we can encourage the we can encourage the uh, uh, authorities in Prince George's County by calling by Facebook these and, and tell them this is uh, traumatizing that someone who is a convicted murderer is still allowed to be out in these streets. Sure. Uh, and like we say, uh, killer cops need to be in cell blocks. Right, and I'm reading here in the notes. It says that um the court date uh, Nikki puts in here November the 27th. So okay. you guys make time to fight for justice. My mama used to always tell me people make time for what they want. Yeah. So when you say you don't have the time, that's because you didn't make the time. 
you know, so we're saying be proactive in the fight for justice, kind of how you got your car insurance, you got your dental insurance. Let's begin to be proactive in the fight for justice. Roxanne, any other final words for us tonight? Yeah, don't forget to register oh. and vote. And vote. Not just register, vote. That's right. <laughs> you got to do register both. And vote. That's right. But not only that, too, but that's what I forget, too. Once you get them in the office and they're not doing their job, make Old sure you guys are still holding accountable. We have, so we have to, again, begin to build a system to fight the system. Again, you guys, these podcasts are not just about to talk about Glenn's case. It's not to nice. know about the injustice and whatnot. This is more so about you know how we can continue to fight. As you all saw, Sabrina said, they're going to come back in December to go ahead and file for the lawsuit. It is your job to follow this family to see what kind of help they need. She That's said right. to you all they need help in the community. So we got to begin building the community back. Back in the day, I grew up, we used to say to the village to raise a child, right? We got to get that village back so we can go to get our power back. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And we keep us safe. Right. Yes. We, we can't depend on people who are lying to keep us safe. We have to keep each other safe and, and hold those accountable who are in authority to do, if it's a state's attorney, is a prosecutor, it's the police chief, whomever it is, hold them accountable. Hold That's them right. Accountable. That's right. That's right. It was nice having you this evening. Thank you, everyone. Um, peace to you and your family, your lovely granddaughters. Thank you. And please keep us posted on what's going on. I will. I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely welcome. This has been uh, Life After the Impact. Get involved, y'all. Thank you. Good night, guys. If your vote didn't matter, why are they fighting so hard to keep your vote away from you? We have um, the restoration of rights. You have to get your restoration of rights. If you were a returning citizen, you have to mm-hmm. petition to get your rights restored. The first thing that Governor Yunkin did when he got into office is he implemented a board to review each person's request for the restoration of rights. This is a direct attack on black and brown people's voting rights because he knows he can pan pick three friends of his to to approve these requests. And again, I implore you, if your vote did not matter, they would not be attacking so hard to keep you from voting. You may not care about politics, but your landlord does, and that's how they keep your rent high. You may not care about politics, but your health insurance does. That's how they keep your premiums high. You may not care about politics, but your boss does. And that's how they keep your payload. Everyone around you cares about politics and they command and control your life. And you don't care about politics. And so you sit under their thumb and their control. But the moment we pull ourselves together, The moment we mobilize our communities like we did in 2020, we showed them that together we are more powerful and that we do care about our rights and you will not take our rights away.